Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sofen. In the Smart Firefighting Podcast, we cover technology and innovation trends across public safety. Here in this mini-series from the recent Innershit show at Hanover, Germany in June 2022, we bring you more than 12 episodes from the show floor. We have a lot of amazing speakers, and I'm really excited for all your feedback from this content. I find myself asking everyone to paint a picture in these episodes quite a bit, so bear with me because it was really hard to fully capture the Innershit event in words. A key message that we hear multiple times throughout this podcast is that in order to innovate in public safety, we must ask questions and listen to first responders. We've got two ears and one mouth, so let's use them accordingly. This episode of Smart Firefighting is brought to you by Lokai. Lokai makes it easy to gamify your safety messages and automate the delivery of unforgettable training so no one falls through the cracks on your watch ever again. Visit Learn by Lokai, that's L-O-C-I, to learn more. In this chat, you're going to hear from retired chief of Henrico Fire and current director of Fire and EMS Solutions at Esri, Mike Cox. As a former human geography major myself, I greatly appreciate GIS Tech and how it can be used throughout our society and first responders. Mike will cover how you can leverage GIS technology to engage in your community, ways to use both historical data and real-time data to enhance incident command operations, and about how almost all first responders are already using GIS, even if they didn't know it. Mike's also going to talk about Esri founder, Jack Dangerman, who's truly a man for the people trying to save the world with GIS. Esri also has a great startup program shown here in the show notes, so make sure to visit esri.com to learn more, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. All right, here at the Innershoots floor in Hanover, Germany, alongside my brother from another mother, Mike Cox. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you today? Doing quite well. For those of us that aren't here in the flesh at Innershoots, paint a picture on what you've seen here at the show. So, well, first, I want to thank you smartfirefighting.com and certainly the Darley family for, for your commitment to the fire service as a whole, but certainly your progressive nature in providing technology to these fire services that, that truly need it. So we work together often, as, as many on the, on the podcast may know, but you, know, you certainly are a leader in the technology progression that the fire service is, is undertaking. Thank um, you, Mike. So, you as well, sir. So the, some of the issues I think we've identified here is their, the level of engagement in technology it's pretty impressive. It's pretty high. And we see that through a lot of our partners that are here providing some capabilities from risk assessments to response, command, command and control capabilities to recovery and community risk reduction and, and using technology to be able to engage your communities to provide service, particularly to those that are underserved or at risk. Uh, so a lot of a lot of capabilities like that in this show and the startup and the expansive tech, I guess, lack of a better term. Is, is pretty impressive here. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've met a lot of startups. As you know, we have a pretty good startup program. Mm-hmm. For those listening that may have technology that they wish to, to bring to market, we can certainly support that, much like Darley does. And there's a geospatial component. You know, Feel free to reach out to me or through Kevin, and we can certainly support that that kind of, of product-to-market evolution. Love, Love that. that. Yeah, yeah. And Esri truly is a leader of building that uh, startup ecosystem and letting others really tap in and benefit and really with the goal of helping public safety, helping first responders. That's something I've always been so impressed and and admire about Esri. Um, And tell us, for those of us that don't know, about your founder, the the CEO. Give me me a quick little, like, 30, 60 seconds about him. Jack Dangerman's trying to save the world. 
through geospatial data and the amount of humanitarian, the amount of environmental impact support we provide or, or try to prevent, I think, is, is truly evident. And just the fact that Esri focuses so much on public safety, and, and I'll be honest with you, that's not really the primary market for GIS, right? It's a lot, it's a lot in government agencies, it's a lot of that property and tax parcel, certainly retail and commercial is a large part of our portfolio, but the commitment to public safety is as high or higher than, than any of those other verticals. So I think just through action, Esri and Jack specifically demonstrate their commitment to trying to make the world a better place through the use of, of data, connectivity, and building communities around these efforts. Love it. I mean, you and Jack embody that, so thank yeah. you. Yes, sir. So for those of us that actually have no idea about what is GIS, could you define it and tell me kind of high level, what is GIS? Geographic information systems. Most people refer to it as the map, and it certainly is you know, a mapping application, but it's so much more than that. It, it, it allows you to enrich these visual products to actually understand an impact of an event or to understand where is my risk, where are my hazards, and helps you focus resources, regardless of what the response is or what the initiative is in that all-hazard environment. So the ability to understand what's happening, where it's happening, and then, of course, who is it happening to, because that's a vital part of our response, is identifying where are the most resources needed that can do the most good during the significant events or day-to-day operations. So think about you know, day-to-day an EMS system the ability to do system status management. That's a geospatial function. It has to be. And it's critical to have the right technologies in place to have the resources where they, are, where they need to be to save lives and property. So certainly a map, but again, so much more than that. And we're seeing more and more use, particularly in public safety, with things like 3D modeling of structures, digital twins of entire cities. Uh, one thing I have seen here that, that is very impressive is Esri Germany and HH Berlin, they're building digital twins of entire cities, I mean, major metropolitan areas, where you can then get insights on, okay, how does that flood truly impact my city or my area of operation? You know, how would a, a hurricane or, or some kind of weather system or significant event be able to impact so that? So you're speaking on this in terms of how you can use that new 3D modeling digital twins from a simulation standpoint? Exactly. So practicing these events on your actual city from a first responder standpoint before it ever happens in the real life. And truly have understanding of what the impact's gonna be. We can do it on paper, you know, we can tabletop things, but to be able to visualize exactly what those impacts are. And then as you're saying, for that preparedness or training or simulation, and then taking those same capabilities beyond that. So the ability to have those 3D models in the hand of a responder to have indoor routing through structures. And to me right now, the holy grail of technology for the fire service is our ability to track firefighters, particularly inside of structures, and not in just that X, Y, but that Z component as well. So, you know, not where they are in 2D, but where are they inside the structure vertically? It certainly will increase safety for the firefighters and allow us to get to where we need to be in these large complex structures more efficiently and, and quicker. Now you're intricately involved with everything going on at the Indiana Crisis Technology Lab with yes. Sonny Kirkley and David Wilde and that program coming to life. And it's, it's exciting to see the other entrepreneurs and technologies leveraging the ESRI foundation to do exactly what you just said. And it's critical to identify, like you say, some of these partners, some of these startups, some of these new technologies that we feel like we can support and help bring bring to bear for the fire service. I mean, when you have NASA and JPL coming to work with startups and, and these smaller companies that are, that are truly innovative to bring these solutions to the fire service, it's just incredible. So that, that whole network, you know, and Darley's in the middle of it, that we can work together, we can collaborate, we can support all these other 
agencies or companies to help develop this technology in an appropriate manner. And that's mm -hmm. another part of it is the involvement of public safety. And you know, I was a, a firefighter for, for 27 years. The involvement of public safety on the front end of these is so critical. And I know Darley lives that, but identify the problem first. Don't come to market with a product and try to fit it into somebody's objectives. Mm -hmm. Identify what the issue is, then identify the solution. We don't want solutions looking for problems. We want solutions that address I, problems. I live by that motto. Yes. And it's so important to not just develop something because it's cool and try and throw it out there and sell it because I think it sounds like a good thing to pitch to investors. But go and talk to a firefighter. Exactly. Have You, know, the, you have two ears. It's good, it's good it, to listen. So you were talking about maps earlier. That's why enough. I was a human geography major in college. Wow. And was always interested in looking at maps, different types of maps. And it's interesting to think about how influential maps have been throughout history. I've been mean, thinking about how boundary lines are drawn, how you can show different features on the map based on what input data you're using. So of course, sometimes we think maps of like a world map you see that's still just sitting on a wall. But then even thinking about the maps that we're talking about are maps you can interact with that have all these different data points that you can chuck in there that may or may not be useful. And of course, the human brain can only comprehend so much. So pay me kind of a operational picture of incident command using Esri in the maps from taking outside data and turning it into something that me as a firefighter, first responder, incident commander, whatever role you are on, on the fire grounds, how am I taking this outside data, how is Esri internalizing and processing this data? And what does it look like for me as a first responder on the ground? You make an excellent point about having the right data, right? Getting the right data to the right person at the right time. You know, if a picture's worth a thousand words, a map's worth a million words. But you can overload somebody, as you're talking about, particularly under stress during that critical decision-making process. A great example of, of the appropriate way to bring data together is uh, what we're seeing with FEMA, Urban Search and Rescue, and the United Nations INSERAW group, the, the, the 50 heavy teams around the world there for, for technical and, and urban search and rescue. The ability to bring together the base maps, right, the basics, and I can start to identify infrastructure. And then, of course, the demographics. We're seeing more and more use of demographics to understand where are my pockets of population, or again, those at-risk populations. But the ability to bring in the data that you need to make decisions. So, if I'm dealing with a flooding event, I really don't need to, to have, you know, hurricane data, right? Or I'm sorry, or earthquake data, right? You decide what you need to see and then add to that what they're doing in real time. So we're in the field with devices. We're tracking the firefighters down to that device level and being able to see where they are to help them stay out of hazard zones that we don't want them in. So certainly increasing their safety and then also being able to see where they've been, which is critical. Think about planning for that next operational period. I can look at my dynamic web-based map share it with anybody that needs to see it, but understand where the work has been done and where it hasn't been done to help you plan for that next operational period. And the ability to exchange data with our field resources is critical as well. So not only are we getting data from the field with these mobile applications from UAS, from drones, but it's critical to have those operators be able to access that data in a similar manner in the field. Because not only can I see, again, where those hazard zones are, but I can also see where the other responders that I'm working with are, what they've done, and be able to better coordinate that deployment in so, the field. So much in that that we could expand upon for another oh, hour. But yes. one that I think is important that I want to hit home to anyone listening that's especially an aspiring innovator is the concept of data interoperability and data exchange. Yes. And how I know there's evolving standards right now. Could you touch on the data standard that's, that's evolving as well as like how should people think about anything they're creating? And I, and I caveat this that 
realized industry needs to make money. But there's also that point of the pie is big enough for everyone. And how can we make it to where we're not trying to just guard our data and put walls around it just for pure profit? But how do we how do we continue to make data that the relevant data open and accessible to the first responders that need it? It's key. I mean, we, we have hundreds of open source data sets that are available and we make a point that anything with a location component, we should be able to ingest or, or absorb into our GIS systems or, or any other of our partners or, or partner technologies that are required. The, certainly the, the, the cost of that is a definite consideration, particularly we're talking about public safety because you know, it might be a lower cost up front, but what are you generating on the back end when you respond appropriately and save that property and save, save those lives? So particularly from a, a government agency perspective, there are long-term impacts that can help not just life, not just property, but financially as well to deploy that. So we're seeing great integration with, again, any, any of our data sets or data sources that have that location component. And uh, certainly open source is a key. So we, we provide a lot of that and we obviously work with others hmm. that are providing that. Well, no, Esri provides a lot and I appreciate that. You mentioned, you touched on it earlier, but tell me more about the startup program. What is it? How do startups get involved and, and what should they be thinking about? Absolutely. So we have, it's, a, it's part of our overall partner program and the startup program provides free resources, you know, including software and, and tech support uh, for a number of years. And then we hope that that startup would then progress to a full partner. But in addition to the technology side of it, it also helps you leverage the marketing strength of Esri. So a worldwide company, 42 offices worldwide, we're in 50% of all government agencies worldwide. Domestically in the United States, it's uh, 85% of state of local governments, all states, all federal agencies. So the ability to have that access on the marketing side is important for our startups and partners as well. Hmm. If you are a startup and doing anything with geospatial information, check it out. Please, yeah, please reach out to me and, and obviously Kevin can, can get you in touch with me if you don't have my contact information. But yeah, what's, what's your email? Just so they got Mike it. underscore Cox at ESRI.com. Take advantage of it. If you, if I, I hope to see five emails to Mike at least. So we're here in Europe and we are both based in America. And I think we both have traveled quite a bit, seen a lot. But I've been very impressed for many reasons with some of the technology I've seen, the way the trucks look. I've said this word a hundred times, and I'm sure people listening to these podcasts but like, this isn't the word. The compartmentalization of stuff, the multi-use, as well as just kind of like the willingness and interest with all things tech and innovation and just kind of wanting to always continue to get better. And it's not by any means am I saying that we don't do that in America. I, I think there's just a, there's a lot that the world is doing that maybe I wasn't aware of, which to me is pushing why we need to continue to really share best practices and have open knowledge to change. But in your opinion, what are some things that you've seen here that has like really caught your eye or made you like really think and ponder about like, wow, I could bring that home. You know, that this is something that we could implement back in the American Fire Service. Certainly the, the digital twin and 3D modeling, I've seen a lot here. I'm not saying, as you said, I'm not saying it's a higher rate of adoption than it is in the United States, but the level of engagement is, is pretty impressive here in Europe. And then the integration of drones, UAS, the ability to get full motion video back to a command post, the ability to have LIDAR modeling from those, those kind of uh, capabilities is pretty impressive. And, and as you said, the apparatus is different. You know, the road networks are different. The topography might be a little different in areas. Certainly, you know, they do a lot in a smaller package than we mm -hmm. typically see in a metropolitan fire department in the United States. But, you know, to have the drone 
on top of the fire truck as you set the brake in front of the house fire or you know you're out for that ground search to have those kind of technologies integrated into apparatus as part of their day-to-day response is pretty impressive yeah and actually i was talking with commissioner teal the other day and he was talking about tethered drones and he was you know there's obviously all these different things of value that, that it brings but really what he said the reason why i like the tethered drone is it's not taking up manpower it's something easy to use but particularly it lets me see the charlie side yep and i was like that alone of just having a very simple technology with a simple use case that allows an incident commander, first responder on scene to see the Charlie side without you know, taking up any other resources. I was like, that is one of the best and simplest true value propositions integration of technology I can think of right now. And much like the, the drones UAS, you know, we can access through Darley, it's on station indefinitely. That tethered drone you know, doesn't have a 20-minute flight time, doesn't have a 60-minute flight time. It stays there mm-hmm. until you don't need it anymore. So that's a great capability. And we've seen that used in the United States you know, to a certain level, but I think you'll see more and more of that. Yeah. And you know, apparatus, certainly command vehicles, should definitely have that kind of capability. It's just it's a no-brainer. Yep. So I talked about something you've seen here, and this maybe is re-asking the same question in a different way, but what else are you excited about, you know, from an Esri standpoint to the next six to six months to six years of stuff that you're seeing that is maybe not here now, but is not too far away that you think is going to, is really going to help make public safety better, faster, safer, smarter. And Commissioner Teal uh, spoke about this and, and Dr. Moore, you know, the technology presentation the U.S. delegation made yesterday, and certainly we're seeing it on the floor here is that ability to track firefighters inside of structures. And I know I said that before, but that is literally, to me, the most important initiative currently. There's some testing occurring through DHS S&T, and there's a couple of cities in the United States testing the ability to understand or receive a location, even in a disconnected environment inside a structure. And that, to me, just to increase that level of firefighter safety is, is a priority, at least in my mind, mm. for a lot of our partners and, and certainly DHS S&T and FEMA. Yep. So that's probably the most exciting thing I see coming down the road. And add to that getting, which we're already doing, or, or, or some of our partners are already doing, being able to get that telemetry from whatever equipment they're carrying, right? The IoT and the connectivity with air packs, the connectivity with tools and equipment, you know, and have that to the commander in the command post or to that task force leader to be able to understand, you know, where do I need real resources? When do I need to pull somebody out of a hot zone? Those issues can be addressed in a much more efficient manner with verified data from the firefighter that's in the field. Yeah, and I, I like that whole conversation around how to maximize the limited amount of resources you have based on the real world, real time, external environment to based on understanding your own inventory of people, trucks, resources, and, and just matching that. And it seems like, as we know, in public safety, stuff's always changing. Yes. And you, the whole, you know, the Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until you punch in the mouth, but right. it's okay. You could be figuratively punch in the mouth here and you're going to continue to have a good operational picture of what's going on. Absolutely. So I actually am doing a podcast with Dan Cotter and Paul McDonough um, here shortly. So I speak about the DHS S&T initiative. So if this publishes before or after, um, either way, uh, a lot of good resources out there from the ESRI Starter Program to some of these initiatives from DHS S&T to the Crisis Technology Lab initiative out of IU. Any other programs that you could think of that people should be checking out or top of mind from other initiatives in the industry? Well, certainly DHS has a number of programs going on and they're funding test initiatives uh, for multiple multiple capabilities. And I don't have the list off the top of my head, my apologies. Uh, but that'd be certainly a good, a good place to start. And then you know, FEMA also has some programs. And certainly 
many may not be aware, but there is a method to be able to procure technology through the FEMA Fire Act grants. So there's a whole section, community risk reduction has a section and a, another section involved or under the Fire Act where that money is, is approved to use for technology. So if there's something you want to engage in, maybe it's risk assessments using geospatial data. Maybe it is that tracking of firefighters in the field down to device level. There is funding domestically in the United States available through several programs. Yep. So much out there from a partnership standpoint, resource standpoint, non-dilutive grant funding opportunities to where you just got to take advantage of it. And we're smart firefighting and continue to do a good job showcasing these resources, making them accessible and available. So be on the lookout for that. But Mike, final thing, if you had a, a message, a quote, a challenge, just like a good old fashioned mic drop to leave us with, what would that be? Most fire agencies in the world already own some kind of geospatial capability. They're just not engaging it. So it's like this. Hey, fire chief, just cut it on. You already have it. Boom. Until next time, Mike. Thank you for being here. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day, and together we can advance the future of smart firefighting.